Our scripture passages this morning are taken from the book of 2 Timothy. Uh, The first reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, and that's found on page 1852 in your pew Bibles. So if you'd like to turn there. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Encouragement to be faithful. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did. With a clear conscience, as night and day, I constantly remember you in my my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Second reading is from 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 17. That's on page 1855. Paul's charge to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet... The Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Word of the Lord. Thank you, Carol. Our text is those words from chapter 1, verse 5, where it says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we are thinking of Mother's Day this morning, and as we do so, 
we read the names of two godly mothers, a mother and a grandmother. One is Eunice, the mother of Timothy, and the other is Lois, his grandmother. And these two mothers, they had a central and profound effect on his life, on his growing in the faith in Jesus Christ. So this morning we want to pause and recognize the important place that mothers play in the working of passing on faith to their children. Theirs is a powerful ministry of love and grace. And that's what we are going to highlight this morning, the ministry of love and grace. This account from uh, 2 Timothy is in the context of earlier a reference to this uh, family. And so the backstory to this uh, book and these uh, verses is Acts chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, where it says, Paul came to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was Greek. And then it says, the brothers or, or the church at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him, that is, Timothy. So here we learn a little more about, about Timothy and that, uh, the context of his life. We learn about Eunice, that she was uh, raised in the, the Hebrew faith, the Jewish faith. And so as a Jew, she would know the Old Testament and, and the thought would be, too, that she had learned that through her father and mother. The faith passed on, as it is, as you see in the Old Testament stories of families. So she had that context, that background of faith. We can assume from the letter here that both uh, Lois and Eunice through Paul's preaching on his first missionary journey when he was in Lystra, that they responded to the gospel, that they became believers in Jesus Christ. And then with Timothy, through their witness, he also became a believer there is the added note in Acts 16 that points out that it was in the context of a father who was Greek, who was not raised in the faith, and the thought is that he was not supportive in the faith. He was not a follower of Jesus. He was not one who knew the Old Testament scriptures. And so... The job, the, the duty of passing on the faith fell to Eunice and her mom, Timothy's grandmother, Lois. So by God's grace, through this godly mother and grandmother, the faith was passed on so that it says about Timothy there in Acts 16, a beautiful testimony that he was in the community there spoken well of in the church. He was recognized as one of faith, of, of 
living out and knowing and serving God serving the Lord Jesus. So that's a beautiful testimony of, of the faith passed on. And Paul, too, is convinced of that succession of things when he says in our text that there was a sincere faith in Lois and in Eunice, and that was passed on to Timothy. So that's that's the picture we see here of God's will worked out, even in a context where there was not that support from a husband. But still in God's grace, the faith was passed on to Timothy. Now we know that it's only through grace that children come to believe, but we can discern how these mothers actually sought to build faith into their children. And we see that in 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 and 15, where it says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have been convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it, first of all, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So here two things are mentioned. First of all, when it talks about because you know from whom you learned it. And there is a a picture of the, the witness of faith in the lives of Lois and Eunice that the example of mother and grandmother was a powerful thing for Timothy to see. That they could, he could see in their lives, in the way they lived, that they were people of faith, that they lived it out sincerely. And that would include regular times of worship. That is a powerful example. That would include personal Bible study and, and coming together to study God's word. And so Timothy would see his mother and grandmother part of that, and it would speak to his heart. He would see them and join them in prayer as they simply were living out their faith. And this would build into his life the reality and importance of prayer. In their service in the community, he would see and recognize a sincere faith. And so that powerful example of a God-centered, Christ-centered life is a tremendous way of faith being built into our children, a faith lived out with joy and thankfulness. And so that's, first of all, what is highlighted here in verse 14. That's how they did it. They simply were living out, knowing, Timothy, knowing how they lived their faith. It was appealing to him, attractive to him, central to him. Then it adds in verse 15, from infancy he was taught the scriptures. And so, as, as a little guy, as a young man, as Timothy uh, would crawl up into the lap of his grandmother and, and Lois would start to tell him a story, uh, a story of Gideon. 
and how Gideon wasn't sure about God's leading, and how Gideon laid a fleece, and the fleece was wet, and the fleece was dry, and she would have a fleece there, and she would show it to him, and she would explain to him, this is what God did. This is how God saved his people. And Timothy would, would read and understand that story, would come to know through the Bible. And Lois uh, and Eunice would, would perhaps read to Timothy at night a, a bedtime story out of the Bible. And just, just share with him, too, the story of Daniel and Daniel in the lion's den and God's grace to him and rescuing him and rescuing the people. And so this is how the faith was shared, was passed on. And through all of that, even the sense Eunice and Lois bringing always the hope of the Savior, there are over 300 references in the Old Testament that the Messiah will come to truly free and truly save from sin and captivity and death. And that they would place before him too the reality of, of the hope that the Messiah would come along with the fact that Christ had come. And so the Messiah has come in fulfillment of the promise of God, as Paul's teaching had brought them to faith. So they could pass that on through the truth of God's word. And so the centrality of God's word is highlighted, and the centrality of our living out as much as we can, that truth in our lives, a faithful, thankful, joyful life centered on the truth of God's word. This is how, by God's grace, faith was passed on to Timothy. This is how these mothers did it. And we can give thanks, too, in, in our lives, too. God worked in those ways. I remember, just in terms of, of being a little guy, and, and we had a children's Bible, and, and it was just a, it was a little more words than pictures. It had a couple of pictures. It had uh, all the stories. And I remember sitting and being read the, the children's Bible, and it was just, yeah, captivating just to learn and grow in that. And for our kids, we had two different ones. The, the more modern ones have more pictures, but the kids, kids too, just looking and, and reflecting. And sometimes in our house, too, the, uh, you would try to find a children's Bible, and it was gone because... One of the boys had taken it to their room and they were just reading it by themselves because it was just presented in, a, in an interesting, exciting, engaging way. And so the, the faith is passed on through the word and through the witness of our living out our faith. So we can give thanks this morning for that continued witness and work of faithful mothers. As, as we see that and have received that and continue to pass on the faith in that way. The result in the life of Timothy was that Timothy took hold of the faith, that he also was called by Paul, by God, to minister, and so actually continued to, to be very active in the church and as these letters are written, Timothy is really the, the main leader in the church in Ephesus. 
So, so he has received a faith. He has been affirmed in his gifts of faith and ministry. And so he is serving the Lord as a church leader, as a pastor in the church in Ephesus. So God's gracious work through his mother and grandmother comes to that wonderful conclusion. That's not always how it works. That's, in many instances, by God's grace, but not always. And so I wanted just to reflect with you two on some other biblical mothers, mothers that we know a little more about, and recognize, too, that how their witness of faith to their children was received. The first mother I want to mention is Eve. Eve was the mother of all living, it says in Genesis 3, verse 20. And as God's original creation, she was a very good wife and mother. But she is tempted and gives in. Genesis 3, verse 6 talks about her being tempted and she gives in to the temptation. And the question arises, can even the best mothers be tempted and give in to sin? And the answer is yes. In this we see the power of sin that can tempt all of us. Adam himself was tempted in a similar way and also sinned. So, so being a godly mother does not mean being without sin. And that's an important understanding. And it does not mean that children will be without sin. Because the power of sin is evident again in Genesis 4 in Cain. Adam and Eve's oldest son. Cain kills his brother Abel and then is forced to flee. So, so the picture is of Adam and Eve who lose two sons. They lose one to death and they lose the other to fleeing and disgrace. So this is, not, this is not the perfect mother and the perfect children. Though there was a, a, a witness there, there was effort made, but it was not received. So in Eve, we see the struggles of being a biblical mother in a sinful world. But I want you to notice there is also, and this is the point, there is also grace. There is always also grace. And so in the account of Adam and Eve, Seth is born. And if you study the line of Seth, if you read on in Genesis 4 into Genesis 5, then it talks about the descendants through Seth, and it goes through several generations, and it comes to Enoch. Enoch, it says, the seventh generation. Enoch, the great-great-great-grandson of Adam and Eve, it says in Genesis 5, verse 22, Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God again. So Adam and Eve had walked with God, in the garden. Now, 
Now, Enoch walks with God outside the garden in the fallen world. But God is still there, and Enoch walks with God. And what you and I don't often realize, but what we need to realize, if you follow the generations and if you do the math, then Enoch was born, if you add up the years, 622 years after Adam and Eve were created. And Adam and Eve are still alive. Adam lived to be 930. And the ladies generally live a little longer even than the guys. So to suggest that Eve was there is not not, uh, incorrect. So when Adam and Eve were 622 years old, Enoch was born, their great-great-great-grandson, And Enoch walked with God for 300 years. So Adam and Eve and Seth were still alive, walked with Enoch, who walked with God. So Eve walked with her son and her grandson with God again. What a blessing. What an amazing grace. How can God do that? Eve sinned. Adam sinned. But there is grace, grace of God to children and grandchildren. And so to see that in the life of Adam and Eve, even through Enoch, it says the work of faith in Hebrews 11, verse 5 and 6 here. uh, It speaks of Enoch. It says Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Uh, before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So there was in Timothy a sincere faith. There was in Enoch a sincere faith of believing in God, of, of seeking to please him. And as a godly mother, though having weaknesses, having failed, God's grace was still there, powerfully providing. And I suggest too, God's grace continues to be our hope as mothers and fathers as we walk with God. Our efforts to walk with God, our efforts to believe, our efforts to be faithful, will be blessed. And so, as mothers, too, receiving God's grace and forgiveness after a time of trouble, after a time of sorrow, biblical mothers can keep walking with God in faith. And that's a powerful truth for Christian mothers today, that that things might not all be perfect. But in grace, we keep walking with God. And he does seek to bless us and our children. Another mother that I would just like to touch on for a moment is Rebecca. Rebecca is the wife of Isaac, the mother of Jacob and Esau. And here we see the temptation to play favorites. And in the family, both mother and father are at fault here. Genesis 25 Verse 28, 
Isaac, who enjoyed the taste of wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And so there is that, that sin in the family, really, favoritism. And as Rebekah wants the best for Jacob, she disregards her son Esau, she disregards her husband, uh, she disregards God. Because God had said the firstborn would receive the blessing and Isaac was going to be obedient to God and Esau was going to receive that blessing and Rebekah stood against all of that. And so as she acted in that way, all kinds of difficulty entered in. The trickery really killed the relationship between the two boys. You want your kids to get along. Well... That wasn't happening now. And it killed her relationship with them herself, as, as Esau wouldn't talk to her again, and as Jacob had to flee. So, so both of her children were gone, just like, Eve, like Eve lost Cain and Abel. That, that relationship was done. And, and then her relationship with her husband Isaac was very troubled again. So you, you recognize there are difficulties that can arise. This is not a perfect mother. This is not a perfect family, wonderful situation. But in grace again, many years later, that, that Jacob and Esau come together, and, and it's beautiful when it, it says there, when Jacob finally sees Esau again, and Esau receives him in love and grace, and the relationship is restored, then Jacob says, in you I see the face of God. God's gracious face shining on me. The hatred is gone. How can that happen? By God's grace alone. And so Rebecca was not there to see the reconciliation of her children, but the grace of God continues to reach into troubled situations. And so we can receive from this account, again, the reality of God's grace and to recognize God himself doesn't show favoritism. God himself receives us as children in Christ. God, in grace, welcomes us as his very own children. And that's also what Eunice and Lois told Timothy. The gospel that he was loved by God, that he was saved by grace in Jesus Christ, that his sins were forgiven, and that he would share in the life of God's love as a child of God. So that was already being worked out, even in the difficulties that Rebecca faced. Finally, I just want to close by mentioning quickly four other mothers that are honored in Matthew 1, verses 3 to 6. This is the genealogy of Jesus. This is the family line, the history of Jesus, the Savior, the Son of God. And in Matthew 1, he lists all of the descendants that lead to the birth of the Savior. And in that list, four women are mentioned. It's a high honor to be mentioned in the list of the family line of Jesus. But these ladies are not perfect. These mothers are embarrassing 
If you think of the mothers mentioned there, uh, Judah, the father of Perez, whose mother was Tamar. Well, Tamar and Judah, that was an incestuous relationship. That was completely wrong. It's embarrassing to even read that chapter, Genesis 38. What all went on and how people acted and reacted. It's in the genealogy of Jesus. And then you think Rahab is mentioned there, from Jericho, the prostitute, a Canaanite. And she is mentioned. And her child, her descendant, leading to Boaz. And how Boaz, as a righteous man, takes Ruth. And so how, how God worked by grace, even through yeah, it's, it's, a, it's not a perfect story at all. And then you have Ruth herself, a Moabitess, and not part of the people of God, welcomed in by grace. And finally you have Bathsheba, adulteress, and, and her husband that was murdered, Uriah, the righteous one. And she just stood by as all that went on. And so... So why is she included here? And why would she have the child Solomon, the great leader of God's people and, and the, the wisest man of God? The four ladies are mentioned. And then the four children, Perez, Boaz, Obed, and Solomon, great people of faith. What, what were they taught? What was the thing that these mothers could say to Perez and Boaz and Obed and Solomon? They could say, without a doubt, God is gracious. God is gracious. And it's only by his grace that we have any hope at all. And they could say that with conviction. They could say that to their children without a doubt, because they were completely unworthy of being anywhere part of what God was doing. So in their names, in their witness, we see the lineage of Jesus is the grace of God. And we all need to rely on that grace in our lives, even as they did in their lives. So the witness of mothers today, too, is not a perfect witness, but it is a constant witness to the grace of God. And only by the grace of God in each of our lives can we be a witness to others. So this Mother's Day, we want to see that grace of God, the love worked out in Jesus Christ. And as we go forward uh, humbly and thankfully in that grace, we want to give thanks for the faithful witness of godly mothers in their lives and in sharing God's word and declaring God's grace. Let's pray together. Gracious 